Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by two of your usual hosts here, Josh Harley and Tom Mannering. How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm grand. Thank you. I'm grand. We, we are recording at Shez Tom. Uh, fun fact about Shez Tom, his neighbour smokes an excessive amount of weed. Just... You're a grass. <laughs> I'm not a grass. This is a, The police aren't listening to this. Besides, they don't know where you live. That's true. And they as never were. As far as he, you know... So, I we've been, uh, well, we have a main topic. We do. Conversation tonight, and that is, as I hinted in last week's episode, what's been going on in our Pathfinder campaign that yes. Tom runs. I do. But before that, we've been playing a bit more of uh, Marvel Champions. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, uh, how are you finding it so far? I like it. Um I've been a proponent of it since it came out uh, and before, um, and I quite enjoy it. I think it's getting better with the more expansions that are coming out. Uh, it's kind of finding its feet a wee bit. Yeah. Um, so I picked up most recently the Wrecking Crew expansion, which is what myself and you've played tonight. Yeah, and so previously what I've been saying about it is it's a good game. Aesthetically, it looks great, very comic book. But the way it plays is a bit too similar to Arkham Horror, mm-hmm. to the point where I, c- I couldn't genuinely recommend it over Arkham, um, Arkham Horror mm-hmm. card game. Um, it, it, yeah, it, I, I would just say if you've already got that, you don't need um, Marvel Champions. But this one, this expansion, actually felt significantly different. So. The Wrecking Crew, I had no idea who the Wrecking Crew were until you showed me. So, who are the Wrecking Crew? Uh, the Wrecking Crew are a group of thugs in the Marvel Universe uh, that become uh, empowered through one of them at- obtaining a magical crowbar. Yep. This is uh, this is uh, is this Golden Age? You've got? Is it Golden Age, which is like the 1940s? I think it's Golden Silver Age, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, but yeah, this is golden age of comic books it design. Is. Oh, found a magic crowbar. How disappointing to find your, your weapon of choice is a magic crowbar. Not a magic sword. I'm not sure if they... I could be wrong. I don't think they find a magic crowbar. I think... And I'm not 100% on this, but I think it might be Loki that actually makes the crowbar magical. Right, I mean, that's well, not better. <laughs> well, points off Loki for like going, okay, this mundane, this really mundane thing... That's, that's like giving someone a magical claw hammer. Oh. And that's pretty brutal. Um, okay, a, a magical vacuum cleaner. Right, but if you had a choice between right. a magical mundane item or just a mundane item, what are you going to choose? Well, I mean, it depends on what the mundane item is. I, I like. I don't. Th- I don't think it's too bold of me to say that you know a regular AK forty seven machine gun <laughs> is going to trump any magical crowbar. Well, it may depends how magical your crowbar is. Does it? Does it eat bullets? Is I, it... I don't think so. <laughs> then I think the AK forty seven wins. But it makes them pretty durable. So you know, right. you never know. You never know. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so the the wrecking crew in name are they are uh, the wrecker, um, 
Thunderball, Thunder uh, Driver, who you were very disparaging about, and the one that we killed straight away. Um, Bulldozer? Definitely not Juggernaut. No, he's a Def- bit... Definitely bit... not Juggernaut <laughs> is how I thought of him. Yeah, I think I think it's Bulldozer is the last one. The thing the thing about Piledriver and the reason why I was like really disparaging, apparently his superpower is that he's got big hands. When you look at the art, they're not even that big. Like I've met farmers with bigger hands than him. So it's like, what are you doing here? You're just wearing a weird spat. The other thing that I pointed out was, so this scenario is a jailbreak scenario, right? Uh, the Wrecking Crew have started a, a prison riot and they're trying to break out mm-hmm. of the prison and we're there to stop them, yep. basically. But rather than being in, like, convicts' clothes, they're all dressed in, like, their spandex. Yeah, they've got, they've got a brand to maintain. Yeah, but, like, in prison? Why are they allowed like, no one else gets to wear their own clothes in prison. You're know, like, true. right to the parole board and we're like, you know, I think this will really help me rehabilitate myself into back into society if I wear the outfit that I committed all these crimes in. I think it's a thing as well. I, I liked it about Silver Age that you've got these kind of tough nut criminals wearing these elaborate bright spandex outfits. Yeah, that's true. How, how can I strike fear into the good goody two shoes of New York? Uh, uh, a purple spandex outfit. I tell you what, right. I, now, hear me out. If if, uh, if a psycho went loose in Glasgow mm. and they were wearing spandex, I think that would genuinely freak me out a bit more. But not for the right reasons. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, that guy's unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is mental. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's, they don't do it so much nowadays. They've gone for a bit more of a, a grim, modern... More more sort of realistic yeah, touch. Yeah, grim, grim take on it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was a good scenario. Uh, I think you said it, it played the most differently. It's and... definitely... The, the, the one I've enjoyed the most, and the one... And uh, my... my uh, it, my knowledge of Ar- the Arkham Horror Living Card game is not comprehensive, mm-hmm. but this is the scenario that felt the most different to it and like quite uniquely mm. superheroes. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it for that. While I was playing Spider-Man and you were playing Tony Stark, mm-hmm. much like our dynamic in real life, yep, I felt. Yep. The, the mentor and the apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, it was fun. It was fun. Good. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing it more and seeing some of the more expansions. And maybe we'll do a proper review of it yeah. at some point. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I still, I've got the Green Goblin expansion. I still want to give that a shout. Uh, we've got Thor coming up, which I know you'll be. Oh, give me some try. Thor, yeah. Try a bit of Thor action. Uh, and Doctor Strange as well, who I really want to have a go with. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the first hero who has his own kind of complete mechanic where he has another deck. So he has Ooh. two decks. He has his deck and then he has his spell deck. So oh, invocation that's deck. Yeah. That's neat. So that's cool. That's cool. So um nothing much that I particularly wanted to talk about news wise. I don't know if there's anything that's caught your eye in the world of board games. Not really, no, not I since think, I was last on. No, and really I haven't done an awful lot of gaming. What I've been doing this week, um, my good deed this week is helping Barry uh, upload his uh, upload, he'll start to upload his vast collection of old Warhammer minis uh, that he needs to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, you're doing uh, uh, eBay sales, aren't you? Probably. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, right? Like, he needs um, I think he needs help with it anyway because it's he's got a lot 
It's a monumental task. It is massive. <laughs> and um, you need someone who actually knows Warhammer figures because you, if you haven't played Warhammer and you give all these like photos of minis to someone to mm. upload to eBay, like what am I looking at here? I just like the idea of descriptions of Skeleton Man 1. <laughs> skeleton <laughs> Man with pointy hat. Animal Man? Think it's a mouse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so no, we did. We've done uh, a fair dent into it. We've uploaded sixty-four uh, individual listings so <laughs> far. Uh, a lot of the old Tomb Kings and Skaven. It's all metal models as well. Yeah. Mind when Games Workshop used to do that. I still have. I still have a lot. Of oh, same. Models. Yeah, yeah, same. And some of my favourite minis are like the old, old metal. Mm. So I'm pretty sure, like back when they did lead. Based minis, yeah, yeah, which is like at late eighties, early nineties, and then white metal came after that. Yeah, I, re- I remember white metal becoming a thing. Mm. I, it's um, I, it's weird, but I, I, I did tell Barry that I was going to slag him in the episode today. Um, and you're doing it. Am I? I'm, I'm kind of feeling bad about like, <laughs> trying to make fun of him. See, that's why I'm the mentor, and you're the yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> You're going to beat that guilt out of me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's it's quite good to, to have a bit of a clear out of minis. I, I did it myself not that long ago. Um, I, I told you about the Space Marines, didn't I, when I tried to sell my Space Marines? Yeah, stuff. yeah. And I got told, we're not buying these because people only want Primaris Marines now, which I didn't realise was such a big deal. Well, evidently so. Yeah. Like, it, I suppose this is the thing. So apparently, I don't know where we are right now with the sales uh, but uh, on uh, Tuesday night, Barry was saying uh, it sold a hundred and seven pounds worth. So that, that, yeah. so that was like off the first night alone. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it, it all depends on if you if people want what you know, as redundant as it sounds. If people want what you are selling, yeah, like, it's the demand for the supply, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas, so I think the the good thing is Tomb Kings because they've been out of production for so long. People and people really like them. Mm. I have no idea why they haven't really resurrected them. Was that your attempt at a pun? Don't you dare call that an attempt. That's a proper pun. That was terrible. Yeah, but puns are meant to be terrible. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I I really liked the Tomb Kings actually. Weirdly enough, the when I did my army for for Warhammer towards the tail end of the last edition of Warhammer, I was tossing between. Tomb Kings and Dwarves and I was like oh I really like Tomb Kings but I'm going to go Dwarves and then Tomb Kings got discontinued and I was yeah. like well dodged a bullet there Ooh. yeah but I mean like from a collector's point of view they are nice minis mm. right? and uh, a lot of them are like that sort of retro old school design of yeah. Games Workshop stuff like skeletons whose bones are way too big to fit in like an actual person. Yeah, if you put flesh and like hair and things over them, they would be comically bulky. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe so that's maybe that's it though. Maybe the people from Tomb King's Land were actually these, you know, ridiculously hench muscular all, all individuals. Obese. Or all, obese. Uh, no, maybe that's not. how they died. Literally. There was an obesity crisis. <laughs> okay. So in years to come, America's going to be like the new Tomb Kings. Yeah. Is it Kenry? Kenry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you have like a, a, a sort of um, skeletal Trump with like a big pharaonic hat. Wait, well, is Trump Nagash in this scenario? 
Is Nagash not separate to the Tomb Kings, though? No, Nagash was part of the lore, wasn't he? Was he? I don't he know. Was, he was the OG one. I, th- I thought he peed a lot of them off. And yeah, like... they don't like him. Right, okay. They, they, it's because of him that they're all undead and, like, in eternal service. Ah, so you think Trump's caused the Americans to become undead? We're getting too deep into this. I, I mean, in some think, ways, that's... that's I, I, I mean, I did not think this through. Um, <laughs> our, our 2% of Republican listeners are probably dwindling now. So <laughs> They made it this far. Yeah, God, God bless them. <laughs> so, so, yeah, if you're on eBay, you'll, you'll probably see some of Barry's stuff if you're looking for old Warhammer. So saturated go, with go, Barry's yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's, he's just flooded the market. I had to upload... Do you remember they did Chaos Trolls? They're, they are old. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've uploaded 18 of them. Wow. We, we've we've flooded the market. We've yeah. Saudi <laughs> Arabian the, uh, the the Chaos Troll market on eBay now. And there goes our 2% of Saudi Arabian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an insult. That's what Saudi do with oil. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just how that's that's just their mo. Sure, <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, buy buy Barry's stuff. Uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> buy our shit. Next, next topic. Next topic. So, um, um, <laughs> oh god, I'm dying. <laughs> so, no, you're not dying. You're just getting older. Well, yeah, in a way. Anyway. <laughs> So, um, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. So, I hinted at what's happened. So, I don't know. Do you want to deliver the news? or? Um, I'll, I'll set it up. I'll, yeah, I'll... set it up. So, the campaign, you haven't done an update for us. I'm not going to go into yeah. too much detail. But, in the long and short, uh, the group had recently returned home to their town of Landros, their fledgling mm-hmm. kingdom, yes. as it is. Uh, having been gone for a little while, uh, the better part of a month, um... And Leave for one month. One month. One month. And casting back to Halloween of last year, uh, I ran a, a sort of one shot. I did cover that off in the podcast. Yes, where, it's really good. Where you played as the the villagers and the the sort of other residents of the town, and things went uh, to pot. Yes, would be a, a fairly understated uh, description. A, a mythical level creature and her army. Well, not even army, like her gang. Undead task force. Yeah, there we uh, go, that sounds less rubbish. Descended onto uh, Landros and uh, took over it. So mm-hmm. when your heroes returned, uh, fresh from another near-cataclysmic event that destroyed the free city to the north, yep, you found your home uh, not so welcoming. No, it was. Uh, it was overtaken by Drow uh, and their undead minions. Uh, the people were in hiding. And uh, you sort of arrived scattered as well. You or you came at different times because of what had happened previously. Yes. So Olin was one of the... Probably about the middle he turned up, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, a deus ex machina stopped me from going right into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you met a few of your allies who had kind of become aware of what was going on in the town and had mm-hmm. come to sort of see what was happening, if not help. Uh, and you, you ventured in to, eventually after regrouping, uh, to vanquish the four. Uh, I'll let you However, in the fight that ensued, um, 
Not only did so, uh, my character Roland has a direwolf as an animal companion, and one of the hostages taken was um, was his cousin Sten. Um, so not only did Sten die in a spell that was cast that affected like quite a few of the group, mm-hmm. not only did Blizzard get killed by an evil sorcerer, that um, Orlin got. Kill, overkilled, I think, is a fair description mm-hmm. as to what happened to Orland. He got absolute... Well, destroyed was the, the spell. It was <laughs> destruction, yeah. You got... Sten got killed by Unholy Blight. Blizzard got killed by Phantasmal Killer. And Orland got destructioned. Yeah. Pretty much back to back. Yeah, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So the NPC that I had uh, grounding with, my animal companion, and then the character that I play myself... And, like, really beyond any sort of repair as well. Like, I mean, the way you described it, I, my guy was just ash. Yeah, he pretty much exploded. Yeah. Uh, very much sort of Infinity War, uh, which you haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> Infinity I'll War rectify Ashes. I'll rectify it. I'll rectify that. Uh, ashes in the wind. Yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it was brutal. It was. Uh, and it, I thought it'd be an interesting topic of conversation, dealing with death in an RPG. And right, so I think any of our listeners who are maybe more board gamey and that they haven't really tried D&D or Pathfinder or any of the other RPGs might not really um that might that might sound ridiculous to talk about it. However, I I think most people actually get it. I mean, when I've been certainly when I've been talking to people about what's happened. And bear in mind, I've played all and now for 2 years. About Paul. Yeah. And most people, even people who don't really play RPGs at all, just go, oh God, are you all right? <laughs> it's like, but I mean, it's like watching, it's like watching a, your favourite TV show and your favourite character gets killed off, mm-hmm. uh, but worse, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, you spend so much effort into building this little guy and all of his backstory and everything. The one thing I will say and I think some players might get caught up in this, is that death is not defeat, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. For me, like play, being part of an RPG campaign isn't about necessarily beating the bad guys. It's about creating a compelling story. Mm-hmm. And I think I got a nice story arc out of Orlin. Mm-hmm. And he, came, he went out in a really, a really cool fight. Before getting killed, he absolutely obliterated the sorcerer that killed his wolf. He did, and he also took out the gigantic uh, fiendish spider as well. Tom actually got me to stop rolling dice because (laughs) he just said, okay, he's really dead now. (laughs) He cannot get any more dead (laughs) at this point. So, I... um, So, I I took a bit of... um, I took some comfort in that. Mm -hmm. And... but yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It, it it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. I think as as you said, the the way I always try and look at it. I mean, I don't, I'm not really put in the position where I have to deal with one of my characters dying very often. Although it has happened occasionally, but uh, for me, a character dying is pretty commonplace because <laughs> I play all the, all the things Tom, you kill. Because Tom is bloody merciless as a GM. Um, no, 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 no. That's I, not true. It, well. Um, <laughs> I, 
I would never consider myself a killer GM. I mm-hmm. I think I let the dice land as they, they may, and certainly if a death is going to be cinematic, as it is in this situation, because it was at the end of an arc, not just for the, the campaign, but also potentially for the character. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you've just got to let the dice lie. And I think if you, as you said, if you watch any good TV show, any good film, uh, any good uh, book where combat or threat is is a part of it uh even like little women has death in it for god's sake um that's another film i've never watched or book i've never read so i've no idea what do you want to do you want to should we do a separate podcast on you reading little women Yeah, I have to do all the voices of all the all the characters. I want to hear it. Well. Yeah. Let, let's do it <laughs> right now. Let's do it. Let's get and your copy of Little Women. I know you've got a copy. And then <laughs> Kate said, "Marie, you must go." <laughs> I don't know the characters in Little Women. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, in, in any of any sort of work of fiction, and a lot of, of real life stories as well, um, you know, people die mm. um, dramatically, and I think if you take that away, not only do you remove the threat but you remove the the excitement uh of it and yeah it is is unfortunate to have a character die but as you say if you take a step back from it and look at it in the the narrative overall it's a really cool touchstone yeah um and all in you know he didn't die to some goblin in a field he he got to go out against the big boss of that story arc um he got to sort of go out alongside all his friends and it was a big sort of climactic fight. Um, and I think as one thing we discussed is when you played Ellard, you knew from the word go that Ellard had. Yeah, Ellard had an expiration yeah. date on him and we didn't quite get to that point. So in a way it was a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. But this this death was different. Yeah. I, I wasn't planning for it. No. And um, yeah, Not it didn't come out of the blue. I think we all went into that combat thinking... Some of us might die. Yeah, I think I I spoke to Scott about it a couple of days beforehand, and I said, you know, I've I've built this combat. I know what you're going up against. I know what you're going in with, um, because you weren't at full power by any stretch of the imagination. Lots of you had negative levels. Scott didn't have his equipment because he'd been previously captured by the drow and rescued. Um, and I said to Scott, I will be very surprised if everybody walks away from this, mm-hmm. and they didn't, um, which is fine. Should, should we take a moment to should we take a moment to acknowledge that Bowser's character died as well? Well, technically, we know Bowser's character is going to die because we did a bit of an epilogue. But well, no, he's dead right now. No, he's strictly he's, speaking. Okay, yeah, okay, that's two. That's a separate issue. So he <laughs> Bowser's character also got Phantasm killed in the initial encounter with the Drow, which Alden wasn't present for. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bowers had over his career his character Griff who's a, an arcanist had co- collected a number of artifacts of Vecna uh, the whispered one Lord of Undead uh, good guy good guy good guy uh, and had drawn uh, Vecna's gaze over the course of the campaign so when he died Vecna offered him the opportunity to come back as his undead servant which <laughs> Bowers struck Griff accepted because why not uh, and came back as a, a sort of zombie lord um, and rejoined the party for a brief stint to uh, have his vengeance against the people that killed him. 
which he he did get alongside you guys. Yeah. Uh, and he's now scheduled to die again uh, <laughs> because he's he, got it in the diary. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is plotted um, in our after session discussions that he will sacrifice his life to essentially essentially call down a meteor and destroy the free city to destroy an undead army. Yes, which you guys were also partially responsible for. We're not responsible for it. We just didn't... We weren't able to stop it. No, we were able to stop it. We just didn't look into things enough. You, Yeah, you, you were given several clues uh, that there was something unholy coming and you went, eh, it's not our problem. Yeah. And it turned out it, it was an problem. apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but he, he's given his life uh, to empower the, the meteor and destroy that. So, two characters from the campaign down. So, um, so now, of course, it means uh, we're building new characters. Mm-hmm. Yay! I'm going out of my comfort zone. What are you going? I'm going a class called Psychic, which is basically a full spell casting class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never play spellcasters, uh, even to the point where rangers are supposed to be spellcasters, but I deliberately made sure that Orlin wasn't. So. Well, your first character, you played a bard in the first campaign we ever did. Yes, which is kind of spellcasting, but yeah. I, like I, I always view bards as being... They're, they're definitely... Support, I, I view them as support class. Yeah, I mean, like, you focused... Uh, with Julian, you focused a lot more on sword play and inspiration, sort of uh, yeah. inspiring words. My my thing with... And out, outside combat as yeah. well. He was pretty decent at communicating. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, um, it's been fun trying to build him. I've st- I haven't finished him yet. We had a little a little meeting mm-hmm. yesterday uh, to to get the start to get started on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've got I've got a little bit of homework to do before the next session. Um, yeah, so I sort of sent you away and said you need to select these and you need to select these and you need to select these. <laughs> And come back when it's done. I mean, and, and to be fair, like at the best of times, I'm not uh, a power gamer. I, I do not. I, I like. I wouldn't know where to begin with trying to min max a build. Nor would I want to put in the effort to do it. I'm kind of, the way I'm thinking about it with like the spells I select for him. I know that it, as a psychic, his thing is going to be like scrying and clairvoyance, mm-hmm. right? Seeing the, the past, the present, the future. So any spell that lets him do that sort of thing, I'm going to make a preference for. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I'll, I'll pick you know useful spells. There's no way I'm not picking haste sure. because in combat that's just great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, trying out something completely different to what I'm used to. What I wanted to ask: um, Have you? As a GM, have you ever had to deal with a player who's completely spat the dummy at dying? Yes. Right. How do you deal with it as a GM? So I actually want to preface this with something. Not only have I had to deal with that player, I've been that player. Okay, right. Um, it's Especially when I was younger, um, I saw it a lot more, both in myself and in my friends. Um, you didn't have quite the same appreciation for narrative and, and all that yeah, kind of things. Yeah. And you can... It's very easy to take it personally. Um, I when I ran PFS, I killed quite a few characters, uh, several of people you know, um, mm. and I would say that 
generally if you have a good rapport with the player and you the, the death is justified the player should take it well mm-hmm. and often will but that being said i've had people shout stomp their feet rip up their character sheets oh you've told me about the ripping uh, up of the character sheets yep uh, <laughs> he was promptly advised he can be raised by the way and we sat and watched him sell the tape it back together uh, <laughs> i'm not sure if that was me gming that though but i definitely saw that um i've had people get quite abusive about it um when That's, i was a bit I mean, younger that, that, i i can't like don't get me wrong, I I was gutted. Yeah. I was gutted when like you, you know so a character I've played for two years, like nearly two years, dies. You almost shed a tear. Maybe, <laughs> uh, but I would never. I I can't fathom how you would be that upset, so upset about it that you 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 would be abusive to the. So, so to someone who's probably your friend, yeah, I appreciate Pathfinder society is a little different. But. I think, for me, if I've ever got like that, certainly when I was younger, um, I think it comes from feeling wronged. Mm. Um, I think it can be that you feel the GM targeted you, um, right. specifically, or you feel that a rule was was abused or or done incorrectly. I think it often stems from something like that. Right. Um, okay. There's, there's a couple of reasons why I can see why people might feel like it. I certainly don't think they should feel like it. No. Um, but there are reasons why I could take a step back and say, okay, that's why that person might feel that way. Um, I think it's it's difficult sometimes because you do get very invested in that character. Um, especially if you know, you've know you spent a lot of time with them as a player. You've got very invested in their backstory and everything they've done. You know, mm-hmm. you've maybe even got plans for them in the future. And you see all that kind of cut short before your eyes. And I mean, especially in Orland's case, um, the the odds of him coming back are fairly slim. He would have had to have very powerful magics to bring him back to life. Yeah. Um, which the parties don't have access to at this point in time, and they would struggle no, to find well, people. Who not did. let alone in level, but just in the fl- like the fluff of the story yeah. as well. We are in a we are in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like the those. N- the one place we might have found it, we're about to land a giant meteor on. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> it's. I think people can come from it from that point of view where it becomes almost a personal attack, and then they lash out because that's what people do when they feel personally attacked. Um, I, I understand it. I don't. Mm. I don't accept it. I don't feel it's the right way to act. And I think in this day and age, if somebody did that. And people have done it to me in the past few years. I would probably have a quiet word with yeah. them and say, "Look, I understand how you feel. It's a very emotional time." Um, by way of example, actually, on on a, on a large scale, not myself, but um, I'm a big fan of Critical Role. As yes, has been yeah. uh, told, and during Campaign Two, quite early on, one of the characters, uh, Molly Mock, died, um, and as much as a lot of people took it for what it was as a, a strong narrative moment. There was a, a very very small portion of the community who who did lash out online, and they're not it's not even their character. That's ridiculous. Um, they, but they sort were, yourself out, internet. They were, so they were so invested and and so um, attached to that character that they they felt a personal loss and they blamed the GM or, or other factors. Um, so I mean, if you think about it, someone could feel that way about it, 
imagine how you might feel about yourself. So yeah, I don't think it's acceptable and, and I don't condone it, but I can see why it happens. I certainly, I certainly like with all that, I didn't feel cheated. I think it was, it was at that stage when she turned her attention to me, I think it was fair enough. Mm. Because you just, <laughs> my, my wolf had just done a number on her and she'd just seen me like one shot uh, 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 sorcerer as well. Well, what so. what had happened was she'd she'd scried on you all as a group several times, and she'd got your tactics down, and she knew how deadly you were at range with your bow. Mm-hmm. So when you went in there, she had a spell called Fickle Winds that, that <laughs> I was useless. Yeah, stopped your arrows getting to them, and the rest of the party had kind of tweaked that and was starting to try and dispel it. So she immediately knew that she had to neutralize you mm-hmm. before she got pincushioned. Tell you what. If they'd got that to spell off, because yeah, I, I, I was, I, I, well, like, yeah, I was before an initiative, wasn't mm-hmm. I? So, yeah, she would, <laughs> she would have been dead. Yeah, she might not have walked away from it. Um, but that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. Yeah. The spell holds, and you get, uh, you get blown up. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever lied about the dice in favor of a, yes. a, of a player? Yes, yeah. so many times. Right. Um, like. There are instances where I have rolled several criticals against one player in a, in a row, and I'm like, this is, this <laughs> this just is mean. Un- <laughs> this is unfair. I feel awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I will. I, I try not to do it uh, mm. as much as possible. I, I would rather play it as it lands, but if a player is having a very bad run of luck, or if I'm having a just sickening streak of good luck, I will probably mute my attack slightly i might forget an ability i might mm-hmm. just knock a 20 down to a 19 to avoid it being a crit um i i probably will never change a critical into a miss um yeah. and things like that i try and do it reasonably um i don't do it often um critical moments tends to be the only time and equally i have fudged against players as well so i've had it if they go into a room and they cast a spell on the boss that will kill it straight away i might Go hmm, mm. passes that save. Um, again, Noted. Very, <laughs> no. very well. Actually, with you guys, I roll my dice out in the open. That's true, actually. So you don't. Not that really, I understand what it means. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you don't even really get get the benefit of that. Um, with the two campaigns I'm running at the moment, uh, Ages End and, and Darkness Divides, uh, I've done it very sparingly. Yeah. Uh, I can only think of two or three instances. I suppose. Um, Kind of along those lines of, uh, you know, sparing the players, in in much the same way that players shouldn't see death as defeat. I don't think a good GM should see death as a victory. No, 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 like, no you're not against the player. No, I think the the player versus GM mindset is very dangerous on both sides of the table. Yeah. Uh, I think that is one of the things that births Munchkin characters. It's players who think I have to be the best. I have to win. I have to be able to deal with what the GM throws at me. Yeah. Because you will get these GMs who do ramp it up to 11 and they're always putting the most difficult encounters against their players. You know, the players are always kind of backed into a corner and fighting for their lives. I don't like to do that. I like to put encounters in sometimes that I know the second I'm writing it up, you guys will steamroll across it. But it's because I want you to have that moment where you feel mm-hmm. heroic without having to make what I call cheese wheelie characters. Like, I, I think it becomes, a, if if the player versus GM mentality takes hold, it becomes a very dangerous arms race. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that is your idea of fun, 
but it's not just you and the GM. There's usually other players there. So The issue I have with it, though, is it's an arms race that you as a player will never win. Yeah. The, the GM has infinite resources. Yeah. You know, the GM can, can turn around. You can go, I'm level one. I've made this absolutely ridiculous barbarian who has six attacks at level one. And I've seen things not too dissimilar to that. Wow. And go, look at how, how ferocious I am. And I can go, okay, here's a CR 20, that being a level 20 threat. Yeah. Dragon, let's see what your attacks do to that. You know, <laughs> if we want to play that game, it's not really a game because yeah. the odds are always stacked against you. You should be... I don't want to tell anyone how to have fun. You know, I don't want to say you, you're doing bad fun wrong. But at the same time, you should be looking more about building an interesting character that, that is certainly competent. You know, don't... I, there's, no, there's no joy in playing a crap character. Well, <laughs> like... to a point, yes, there is. But I think in a game, especially like D&D, it's not a good idea. No. <laughs> because the game assumes you will be a competent character. And while your GM can factor that and go... Okay, my party's a bit pants, so I'll I'll just take the encounters down a notch. Mm. It's not necessarily something they should be doing. I'll tell you what's be- what is better than just making a crap character deliberately. Let's assume you're doing it deliberately. Mm-hmm. Make a competent character, but have a dump stat and really lean into it from an RP point of view, because that's what I did with Julian, yep. my bard. His dump stat was wisdom. Yep. He uh, he was quite an intelligent guy, but had no common sense. And that's really fun to play. <laughs> I don't even think you need to do a dump stat, although that's one way to go with it. I think you can just give your character a flaw. Yeah. I think it's very easy when you build a character to be like, I want to be this grim, dark, brooding badass who's just cutting through goblins willy-nilly and he sits and broods in the mm. corner and that's his flaw. That's not a flaw. That's a that's just a, a crappy archetype. Yeah. Which is fine. We've all done that. I did it when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all young ones. Yeah. <laughs> but... I think to have a, a good character, a good competent character who has a flaw, who has a phobia, a fear, a dependent, you know, something like that, something that adds a, an, an extra level to them, it gives them more dimensions as mm. a character. Um, I think it, when you build a competent character who's, who streams very much in one direction, you know, I'm I'm the best wizard in the land and whatever, um, you you sort of become a bit one dimensional, a bit Mary Sue. Yeah. Um, whereas if you start to give them flaws and things they're scared of, things they can't do, things they're nervous about doing, they become more rounded. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily need stats. You don't need drawbacks to do that. You just can go, this is something my character has going on for them. And most of you guys have some variant of that built into your characters by way of your backgrounds and things. Yeah. Um, you know, Orlan was was always quite naive, mm-hmm. um, especially early in the campaign. Um, was that all in? Oh, was that Josh? Yeah, well, that's, that's true. That's art imitating life. Yeah. Uh, but, Same thing with Julian, I guess. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and I think that's a good thing to to play up and and embrace. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm certainly looking for. I, I I haven't named my guy yet. I need to come up with a name. Oh, for you got him. a bit of time. Yeah, I've got a bit of time. But I'm I'm looking forward to trying him out. Uh, getting out of my comfort zone. And, uh, you know, sinking my teeth into something new and just keeping my fingers crossed that it doesn't die in like a couple of sessions. Yeah, that's fair. I think you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised. I certainly hope so. Psychics are an interesting one because they are, they're one of the later classes for Pathfinder. I found it quite 
and I'm not the best at building characters. I usually need a little bit of help, but mm. um, I found it quite tricky because really you're trying to max out two men, but two of your mental stats. Mm-hmm. Where normally most classes, you're really strong in one thing, and then everything else kind of falls into place. You should try playing a paladin. Well, what do paladins need? Like? Uh, so paladins are they're martial characters, so they're going to need some sort of physical stat. You're mm-hmm. probably going to be frontline, so you're going to need constitution. So you're probably going to need strength or dex. Constitution. Uh, you've then got your spells, which I believe are based wisdom. on wisdom, and your paladin abilities, which are based on charisma. Oh my... Right, okay. Yep. Does anyone play paladin? I've not seen a paladin for a while. <laughs> <laughs> for, now that you mention it. <laughs> they are they are really good in Pathfinder. Um, right. If you can if you can get one together, Asimar paladins are quite, quite co- common because... The Asimov buffs Asimov's being partly angelic creatures. Yeah. Um, they are quite well suited to paladins. Um, but yeah, I think they are quite demanding. I think because there's a restriction of them that they have to be kind of the the Captain America sort of um, knight in shining armour. Mm. Some people are a bit reluctant to... Well, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it would be quite easy to make a lazy character out of a paladin. You, but... you can be very one-dimensional with a paladin. Yeah, just definitely. Haha, I am good yeah. all the time. Yeah, I'm super good. I am lawful good douchebag because yeah. I'm just going to be lawful and good to the point that it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so look, that's that's what we've been up to. That's uh, so that's death of an RPG character, all in good seller. R.I.P. <laughs> rest in peace. To be fair, right? Just to, to quickly close up, you did get. I got one last moment. A little moment where uh, um, Scott's character, Tharic's god, brought you back from sort of beyond the veil to say your goodbyes. So you got... I, I got a little bit of closure. A little bit of closure. very nice. Yeah. You never, you never normally get that with <laughs> the dead character. But you earned it, so... Yeah. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, on, on that note, guys, look, thanks very much for listening. So until... Uh, if you've been affected by any of the issues oh, discussed in the podcast. We're going to have to set up so many helplines at this point. <laughs> but look, seriously, thanks for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.